0: There's three things people say without really knowing. One of them is our friend Mita Mita Baker, who was here with us years ago and is in uh, in, uh, Illinois now, uh, she used to say, people told me, oh, winter's going to be over at the end of this month, March or April 15th or blah, blah, blah. She goes, May, May. That's when you know uh, winter's over. People think they know, well, it's over. You know, we think it's going to be 80 degrees later in the week. Did you hear that? No. (laughs) Maybe it will be. Uh, Or, you know, gas prices got to come down sometime soon. (laughs) Uh, These things are spoken in ignorance. You know, there's another one that's spoken in ignorance. Jesus never said he's the son of God, people say. Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God. You know they heard that in the old days, just through the word of the, uh, the, through the vine, the grapevine. Today you hear it through podcasts of people that make great glorious claims against Christ without foundation. Uh, in Mark chapter 16 60 through 62 it says, as, as they are persecuting Jesus and going to send him to Pilate, the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus saying, Do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? But he kept silent and answered nothing. And again, the high priest asked him, saying, Are you the Christ, the Son of the blessed? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds with the clouds of heaven. Are we clear here? There's other places where Jesus claimed this as well. And then the resurrection he said it many times, so it's very interesting that in John chapter 20, verse 9, we'll simply put up as Peter and John ran to the tomb after Mary came and declared, the tomb's empty, we don't know where they've taken our Lord, or he's risen. They come running, and, and they go in and look. And, it, and then when they look, uh, in a sense they believe, but they're still confused, and you can read the whole story For as yet they did not know the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. And the NIV properly state they did not understand the Scripture. And of course, that Scripture wasn't written yet, right? We're, We're calling it Scripture. It's something Jesus said that became part of Scripture And there's a lot that he said along those lines. They did not understand, but that is not because Jesus didn't tell them. There's a lot of things this man has not understood in my life. And they were not because Jesus didn't tell me. Earlier, some of them were. But I've got plenty that he's told me that I still didn't get it. Is anybody with me here? That took me a long, I'm a slow learner. I, I really believe that about myself, slow. I am steady, I'm a plotter. Put me in that little uh, ditch, wind me up, and I'll keep going. But I won't go real fast. <laughs> I won't deviate very much. Well, here's what Jesus said. Many places, I'll go through them quickly. In Matthew 12:40, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Mark eight thirty one, and he began to teach them, his disciples, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He comes down from the mountain that he's on, and in Mark 9, 31 and 32, not that many much time between Mark 8, though sometime for he taught his disciples and said to them the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of men they will kill him and after he is killed he will rise the third day but they did not understand this saying and were afraid to ask him and again in mark ten thirty-two, now they were on the road going up to jerusalem and jesus was going before them and they were amazed so they kind of were catching that things are deep right Things are heavy. And as they followed, they were afraid, and he took the 12 aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest, to the scribes. They will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him, and three days later he will rise again. Jesus wasn't really clear about what was going to happen. Excuse me, this is just Mark. And some of them, of course, are overlapping the same story. But look at the progression. So, what's the problem? Well, there's a hint for us in another situation. When Jesus, after feeding thousands, you hear him speak, when he had fed the multitudes and the and the disciples had gathered up all these uh, fragments of bread that came out of a couple of little loaves, muffin loaves of bread, he warned them. And said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Except he didn't say which is hypocrisy. He said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, right? The disciples did not get it. They started discussing. Oh, we forgot to bring the bread. It was your job to bring No, it was your job to bring the bread. No, you guys were supposed to bring the bread. (laughs) Jesus looks at them and says, but Jesus, being aware of it, Mark eight seventeen, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Hardened. When we think of a hard heart, we think of wicked people, Pharaoh and his hard heart. But Jesus didn't say, Did you ever have a hard heart? He said, Is your heart still hardened? Have I not broken you free yet? And sometimes Jesus knows that's the case. This word to harden, a hardened heart, to cover anything hardened, to cover with a thick skin, to harden by covering with a callus, and also specifically blind hearts through spiritually blind eyes, you know? Those of you who like, you, you play the guitar. You know, when I'm teaching guitar, the first thing people go through is their fingers hurt really bad on their left hand if they're playing like this because the, the, the uh, strings dig into your precious little tips of your fingers until you develop calluses that protect your fingers. So they cover a good spot. And let me just let you know that Every every hard heart isn't automatically because somebody is just stubborn and mean-spirited. Sometimes people are in pain, and their protection is a callous. It's not just the disciples, the Jewish people. It's the whole Gentile world as well. In Ephesians 4.18, it tells us that talking about the gentile world that having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of god because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart but you know what's interesting there was one group of people who did not seem to be confused about what jesus said they seemed to understand him really really clearly because this group of people were the religious leaders who wanted him crucified, who got Pilate in the human, God ordained all this. But the the, the religious leaders that got Pilate to crucify Jesus when he's, they take him down from the cross and they run to Pilate and they sought to have him taken when he gets taken down. They said this to him, Matthew twenty seven sixty three. Sir, we remember when he was still alive how that deceiver said, after three days I will rise. They said, we want you to put a guard, we want you to do something so the worst end isn't worse than the first end with this guy. They were scared. They had hard hearts, but they did understand what Jesus said. By the way, the confirmed historical account of the resurrection is as strong and stronger than any other historical event in history. If you went by firsthand witnesses, documentation, writings that are close to it, not only the Scripture, but extra-biblical other writings by other people, using the same technique they used to decide whether Homer really wrote the Iliad or et cetera, you find the Bible exceeds any ancient work, and the resurrection of Jesus specifically, which I know doesn't automatically move people. But you know what? There was no body to recover. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, desperately—boy, I'm having trouble. This will work now. <laughs> the Pharisees desperately wanted it, didn't they? They wanted to produce a body. The Roman soldiers, especially those guarding the tomb, they wanted to produce a body, and Pilate needed to produce a body. They were desperate to produce a body, and they never did. No one could. Were the disciples that strong, that slick? They could overpower these Roman soldiers because they were quite tough guys. They all ran. Uh, they over and then take and hide the body. Seriously, they could do that. They could accomplish that. That's ridiculous. And when Peter, who ran, denied it, then later he stood up and preached. And it was the resurrection when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, had seen the resurrected Jesus. In Psalm 16 and in Acts 2, it's quoted by Peter, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. That's Jesus, the Messiah. And there are many other verses that Peter and Paul and others declared promising the resurrection of the Messiah. See, understanding the scriptures isn't going to be, for any of us, understanding every single thing in every single book and every single verse. Have you figured that out? That you are not going to under... When we say, I understand the Bible, there's parts we understand, and there's the, the understanding of who Jesus is and what God is saying to us we can receive. But we're never going to understand all of it. It's too deep. It's like the ocean. We can't really get to the bottom of it in our natural sense. But we can understand, know Jesus through the scripture. There's a lot of information we can know. But it's more important than just knowing information, isn't it? Psalm 139.14, David says, I will praise you, Lord, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully, I'm in awe and reverence. Wonderfully, a distinct and separated, distinguished thing. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. You know, even if you have trouble in your life and pain and confusion and even anger, can you not see that you are very specifically, uniquely made? There's something about you and your, your awareness and your self awareness. again, I love my dog. But his great awareness is Rick, I love you so much. As long as you give me another treat right now, that's what I really want. A treat. And he can look like he understands me when I talk, but he doesn't he can feel some pain or joy but But any one of you I could talk to specifically acting, you would understand what my dog does not because you and I are uniquely created with conscience and self awareness. Is it just David or special people in the Bible who are fearfully and wonderfully made no. The Bible declares this, and God reveals himself. This is the reason not only preachers who get up and preach, but any person that loves Jesus and shares him with others, the reason we believe in doing what he said about sharing our faith with others as he opens the door is because we already believe that God reveals himself to every person. Force that down somebody's throat. It is not my job to prove it. I believe it. God reveals, and I know people say, I've asked God, he hasn't revealed himself. I understand that. I do kind of tend to believe God's word more than people speaking. And there's things you believe, even if you're not a Christian, more than what people say. So don't judge us for believing God's word more than people saying how they feel. doesn't mean they don't feel it. But if the bottom line is God actually reveals himself to people, I have not just the right, I have the responsibility to believe him. He convicts every person, meaning his spirit speaks to their conscience. John 16, verse 7 begins, when Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, which is the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus and the Father in the Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment and terrible things. And I'm just so mad at everybody. I'm ticked off at all those terrible, evil things people do. Well, no, that's not what Jesus said. I mean, he doesn't love it when we do terrible, evil things or when we do sinful things, no. On the other hand, it says, I will convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. I'll explain what I understand of that. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the ruler of this world, which means Satan, is judged. So of sin, because they don't believe in me, it's not the fact that we do sinful things, things that are less than God's perfection, things that are damaging to our own soul, things that are not perfection or rightness, but are wrongness and cause pain. Those things happen but the sin that keeps you away and out of heaven God's presence the sin that condemns a person is the hard heart to God because you can be a really 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 nice person to everybody around you and we would all acknowledge boy that guy's the nicest guy ever not I am not a, I'm not afraid to admit and humble myself before a non-Christian, a person who doesn't know Jesus, and say, man, that person has more natural goodness in them in the way they treat people than I do. You can be that person and still have a hard heart towards God. And I don't see all your sin, and I don't see all your flaws, and I'm not looking to sniff around them either. (laughs) i got enough of my own problems. But God knows your heart. To rebel against God's authority in your life when he says to you, you need me and you're in rebellion doing this on your own without me. You need what I accomplished for you on the cross. That's how much you need forgiveness of your sins and cleansing. And when I say or you say or they say to God, thanks, but no thanks, I don't really need you. That is the greatest act of rebellion. You have a creator who made you, who defined for you what is good and evil, and who comes to you after, after suffering the payment for your wrong, and then you say, I don't need you. Well, somebody could say, but I know, I just don't believe it. All I know is the Holy Spirit comes to convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment. Of righteousness also, it, see, it's the sin of unbelief. The sin of unbelief. And if I was making up the story, it would be a far different story. It wouldn't offend anyone as best I could because I don't want to have anybody not be and, and yet it would uh, not help anybody either because it would just be a story I made up. Of righteousness because I go to the Father. The resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, fulfilled the prophecy and proved that he paid for our sin. So the resurrection is slightly important. It's proof positive, And it's God's righteousness being revealed of judgment. Satan is blinding people, keeping them from seeing their need for a Savior, their need for what Jesus has provided, and his power has been broken by Jesus' resurrection. And the Holy Spirit tells you that because he's alive and sent the Spirit to you. And we will know either freedom from this binding that Satan traps us with, being released and to know God or wait, that is Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. So, some nice people have hard hearts, don't really believe, maybe don't want to, for fear of what they might lose. Now, if you're sitting here, if you're listening, you're saying, this guy up here thinks he knows everybody and everything about everybody, all these blanket statements. I'm just declaring what the scripture talks about, about the human heart. And I had that hard heart. And I was in rebellion against God. So some nice people have hard hearts. They don't really believe. They don't really want to, for fear what they might lose, or for whatever reason. And the heart is an amazing thing—not just your pumping heart. It's possible that science is discovering something about all our memories and how they're stored. In you know how we think we're storing all our memories in brain cells. You've heard that, right? Where else would you store your memories in your elbow? Go you go the (laughs) maybe yes well especially but 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 you know you would naturally think and science has found deep connections to the brain and all of that but something else has happened and I'm not sitting here saying it's been proven but this is interesting have you heard of of heart cell memory okay so from the nerve blog and this is just one article of many studies from Boston University 2009. There's tons of studies. They're continuing to work on it. There's debate about it, okay? Let me read to you. The theory of cellular memory states that memories, as well as personality traits, are not only stored in the brain, but may be also stored in organs such as the heart. This Harvard Medical School defined cellular memories as sustained cellular response to a transient stimulus. Basically, it will react in a certain way, and every time it is given the stimulus, it will have the same response. The best way to understand cellular memories is studying cases of organ transplants. One of the more famous cases included a woman named Claire Sylvia. In the 70s, 70s this woman received a heart and lung transplant from an 18-year-old boy who died in a motorcycle accident? After her surgery, Sylvia had cravings she never had before, like beer and burgers. <laughs> Poor Sylvia spent her life not knowing the greater things of life and culinary delight. But anyway, suddenly she had she had this craving, it says, for beer and burgers. After some time, she contacted the family of her donor and was in shock to find that he enjoyed exactly those foods. That wouldn't be a shock for an 18-year-old motorcycle-riding boy, but it was in her case, and you understand that. Another extreme case, this is really something. This is documented. I checked three different sources to make sure it wasn't somebody's, just, you know, Another extreme case was an eight-year-old girl who received a 10-year-old girl's heart in a transplant. After her her, her dreams were so vivid that she went to a psychiatrist who actually believed they were real. It was found that the donor was murdered and the recipient who had the nightmares described the man in such detail that the police were able to find the killer and he was convicted of murder. Those of you who are with me all the time know that I don't get up here and look for sensationalized stories. I'm like the weakest person to bring in extra stories other than make like a joke story or some small thing. This, I was told this at a Passover, and I went and checked it out just this a week ago by a woman who her daughter had died suddenly, tragically, and she talked to me about, we were just talking, and she mentioned this and about getting over things and how the Lord has helped her not be trapped in the sorrow of the loss of her daughter, which is something only God could do. Are these things real? Is that really true, that you store memories and repeated things always go to the same spot? Well, some of that's obvious to some of us, how things repeat in our lives. I don't know, it's debated. There's people that will get up and say, this is nonsense, but they still can't tell why that girl was able to describe the murderer. I I don't know. Here's what I do know. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And if anyone knows your heart, he does. He knows your heart better than you do. Are you able, some of you are really with me and some of you are not. Are you able to stop for a minute and consider that God knows your heart Better than you. What does that mean? It means more than some guy on a stool, some pastor, even with more training than I've ever dreamed of having, would be able to explain to you. At every Passover, I've been sharing. Do not expect a human being to explain the deepest things of God and his intricate workings in your heart because do. Only God can reach into your spirit, into your soul. I can point, I can get related experience, and so can you. We can help. But don't ask us. Don't ask anybody else to do what God's job is in your life personally. Because you will not get a satisfactory answer. He knows you better. He knows your heart better than you do. And the scriptures back that up all over. I alone the Lord search and try the reins of each heart to know. David Had, according to God, a heart after God. The guy who wrote these words. I only need a few more minutes. Really stay with me. David was called by God a man after God's own heart. It's almost like he got that transplant, he had that brain cell memory. And he was able to talk about all these things in the Psalms in such a way that thousands and thousands and millions of people have written and sung his words above anything else in the past because of the connection to God's heart. And God chose him to be the progenitor from, and then David would be the man in his family and his his. Children after him would bring forth not just kings over Israel but the king of kings the Messiah, the Savior the son of David Jesus that's how we would come to our justification and so would David through Jesus even though he lived and died before Jesus came God's beyond time Here's something else God beyond time knew. He knew that David would do what? Sin greatly. It's kind of hard to go past those two as being pretty serious stuff. Worthy of judgment without without clemency in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Yet God forgave David's sin. And we find in David's prayer of repentance to God, Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast or right spirit within me. What does that mean? David didn't ever hear of heart cell memory. He didn't know anything about these things. He certainly knew that he needed a heart transplant, (laughs) didn't he? He needed a creation. He needed a new creation of a heart of God within him. And God had promised not only David, but all Israel after David, and through them to all of us, Jeremiah thirty one thirty three. God has said in the previous verses I know which they broke. But this verse thirty three is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put their, my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And God can do this for a nation of people in a specific uh, overarching way, but he can do it for you and me individually. He made your heart. He made your physical heart, and he made your spiritual heart. And he can make you alive to him so that he will convict you, and you will not be bummed that you're convicted of sin not only the sin of not believing in him and not trusting him, but all the sins that lead you away from his blessing in your life. None of us sitting here is perfect or better than others, but we can know the truth. If there is no absolute truth, there is no truth at all. The concept of Tell them your truth is foolishness. It cannot be your truth. It can be your opinion. It can be your sense of things. But if it's truth, there's only one kind of truth. This doesn't take a genius. We've been duped because we want not not like every person that thinks differently is like got fangs and venom coming out people with people who are really 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 nice people who want to help each other maybe a lot nicer than me as people really compassionate want to help but they also don't want to step on anybody's toes or make anyone uncomfortable with absolute truth, because it's not popular. Do you realize how much our culture is driven by what is popular and what won't get you into trouble with other people? And if you live your life that way, you're in bondage to that fear of what people are going to think about you. Can you sit here today and say that you really know that the way you think is because you're really clear about it? Or have you been pressured to agree with the wind, with the way the wind's blowing? Which way is the wind blowing? That's the way I believe too. Because, I mean, we have to respect everybody. Yes, we do. Last week, two weeks ago, we talked about honor, honoring every person, not treating them with disgust and hatred. That stands. But you don't possess your own truth. And I don't possess my own truth. Either there is absolute truth or there is no truth at all. And it's all up for grabs. And inside your heart, I don't care who you are, right? You know that's not true. You know that that sense that there is really right and wrong, you can't shake it. You can bury it. And if you've had pain, pain from church people or family or all the rest, you build calluses over that injured part of you. Be careful. Are you protecting something that when you're protecting it, it's not healing. It's protect my fingers and that works well for playing guitar and it works well for, it hasn't injured my hand. But when you put calluses over your heart, your heart never heals. When you put calluses over your heart, your heart never heals. I will... Put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their heart. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. It's time for some of us to get a heart transplant. It's time for some of us to get renewed cell memory. And it's time for some of us to cut off the negative heart cell memory from controlling us. Communion is available for those who trust in Jesus, not their own goodness, even their own good heart. I'm not up here today. I'm going to just say it one more way just to make sure it's as clear as I can make it. I cannot sit up here today and talk to you directly and boldly about Jesus Christ because I have such a good heart, because I'm such a good guy. Nobody can. That's not the basis of the gospel. Who's the really good guys and gals? Let them tell us. There ain't no such animal. I mean, kind of a nice guy. Try to be. So do you. Nice guy, nice gal. You try to be. The Holy Spirit comes to convict you of your sin of his righteousness and the judgment that God wants to deliver you from. The prince of this world is judged. You don't have to go with him. But if you reject the love of Jesus Christ, make no mistake about it, and you die, you choosing. Do not do that. There is either absolute truth or there is no truth at all. So communion is available. I know I already said that. (laughs) For those who trust in Jesus, if you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to have Dave and Selesha over here. I'm going to have Skip and Kathy over towards the back corner there, and I'll be up here at the front, my wife probably, when she returns. And we're available to pray with you while others come and receive communion. And we didn't pass communion. I was going to, uh, but on Easter Sunday... With uh, visitors, I don't want to put any one of you under pressure to have to do anything. If you're visiting with us, I don't need you to do anything. Our identity isn't based on if you respond, okay? We love you, and we don't want to put pressure on you or corner you. But hear the word of God. And if you want to take communion, if you've been turned away from Jesus, and you know it, And it's time for you to be renewed in your heart. Come and get prayer first if you want. You can go to the table. Everyone is free to go if you understand that you're claiming the blood of Jesus Christ is your forgiveness he shed on the cross. The body of Jesus was broken for you, and you want that cleansing and that work. Musicians can come up. You know, when I was, uh, the night I came to the Lord, it wasn't like I saw every wrong thing I ever did or anything like that. Do you know what I saw? I realized that I had a really hard heart towards Jesus. And then he was just in front of me. And I said, I said inside, you're here. You're right here. It's you. And I was no longer afraid. And I was no longer angry at him. And I no longer wanted to avoid him. He just came to me. In a simple way, and I don't even know if the thing the preachers were preaching was the thing that turned my heart towards him. It was the Holy Spirit touching my heart. But I knew that Jesus was standing in front of me. Is Jesus standing in front of you right now? Open your heart to him. Father, we pray that you would bless this time of communion, that you would create clean hearts within us all, and you would free us to worship you in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name, amen.